Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Best Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santos, joined, as always, by the Fergie to my Doug. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm fucking doing great. Yeah, on our very own gem. That's right. It's Eric Ronebeck. Eric, oh. how you feeling today? You know, I don't want to do any comparisons. I want to get straight to this awesome feeling I have after this 21 to 20 blowout. So are you saying you feel outrageous? Truly, truly well, uh, outrageous? I'll just... Glamour, adventure, fashion, and fame. Okay, well, I'm going to get right in there then, Eric. I think this leads us straight to a question that we got on Twitter. So I'm going to do a couple Twitter questions. Uh, Mixolio Mike says, any chance the Bengals are a better team than people thought coming into the season and we should just feel good about the win? These are two. This is two different questions. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, one question. <laughs> the question number one, are the Bengals better than we thought? Yes. No. Yes. No. Well, I, no, not than we thought, than people thought. They're like five and eleven or six and ten. They're they're. Yeah, I would say they're like a, around a six win team. They're and regular. I think everyone else like four wins. They're regular like, bad. Did you say Miami Bengals? I think that they're better than people think, only because people are so coach, high on the Cleveland Browns. I their think coach specifically their defense is better than people think because a regression to the mean would lead to a pretty average defense. But the other question: Should we feel good about the win? Absolutely. No. no. See, Why? I'm on the other way side of this one because. Because this is a classic uh, Pete Carroll early season game. He rolls out the the boring game plan, treats the, treats the team with the utmost disrespect. You are not saying does, anything that makes me feel good. Does does not respect his opponent at all, and then just barely pulls out a win, a win out of his butt, and then is like, "Yeah, we didn't have to put anything on tape this week. Awesome, went great." <sighs> That is a very optimistic take, Nathan. Um, that's, that's we should feel good because it's the W and it's over. Right. And if, at the end of the year, when we win the Super Bowl, you can be like, "Oh yeah, I forgot twenty one twenty. I am five beers and three Tylenol away from buying your take. Uh, t- Tampa Tampa Bay is uh, like remember that Tampa Bay game in what 2013, 2014? Yeah, it was terrible. Where we lost. Yeah that that was the the one where the Denver like, game last year. When you lose the game. It's bad. But when you win it, who cares? It's still bad. Who cares? He said, should you feel good, not should you feel think, like should crap. Should you accept I this and good. move on? I, I feel pretty if, medium. If our Twitter friend would have said, is it okay to accept it and move on? Yes. This is the Wendy's cheeseburger of wins. All right. Let's, like, yep, that happened. <laughs> let's go into it. We'll, we'll hit some other uh, we'll hit some other Twitter questions like throughout the, uh, throughout the pod. Let's start on the offense. Okay, Seahawks offense comes out. And um, someone mentioned it. I mean, Justin Britt put up the uh, the, the full on goose egg, a zero point zero Pro Football Focus pass block rating, which I've never seen before. <laughs> uh, I've looked at this website quite a bit. I've never seen. I've seen like low numbers, like tens and eights and stuff. Gave up four pressures, zero. That's my Seahawks conspiracy is that he's injured. We what? talked about it a little bit in the preseason. I mean, he got stepped on in the in the game. Remember on like the. I think he was injured before the game, and then he was out for that one play. Yeah, when they made a big deal out of him being out for one play, and then Mikey Potty came in and posted slid over, and we we're like, "Oh wait, this doesn't matter that much." Yeah, I I I really think if Britt's not a hundred percent, they should they should let him slide this week, make Hunt active, play Postage at center, Hunt is the backup, and and then hope that you Potty's ready because that that offensive line would look a lot better than this hurt version of Britt. Who was consistently getting blown up by guys? They had guys just lining up over top of him and just pushing him straight back. It was really rough. And it um, didn't even have to be Geno Atkins. It basically just had to be warm body number seventy. Yeah, it was not Geno Atkins actually. A lot of the time, it was just any guy that they could. They didn't care. Well, we haven't seen Britt do anything like that since he's moved to center. I mean, we we can go back in time, and when he was a tackle, he was awful. This happened all the time. A guard, he was less terrible, but still bad. And uh, as center, he's been Johnny on the spot for us, but. There's that rumor that we're going to let him go in the offseason and move Postage in. I don't know, man. It, the co- the contract like these make it so much easier. The contract look is pretty unpalatable going into yep. next season. So most people believe that this is Britt's. Britt's playing for a contract right now. He's playing for his next contract. and Not a good start. That was not a great start to, to doing that. Um, That's We had seven combined pressures given up by Dwayne Brown and Justin Britt. That's... Those are supposed to be two of the anchors. Instead, we had the two of them being Mr. Unreliable. Uh, Jermaine Effetti was his typical fine. Dwayne Brown had a weird game where he would give up a play, like a tough play, like a a big play, and then the next four plays would be completely solid, just his normal self. And I I think it was just an up and down day for him. Not not like a not a full on dumpster fire. But we can all agree the guards played well. The guards did play good. I like Fluke had a great game. Fluke had a great game. Had a good game. I think Fluke that was Fluker's best game in a Seahawks uniform. I'm willing. Uh, That's a safe bet. I'm willing to go there. And also, uh, a couple of our best runs were behind him. I. that's either having him and 
postage combo block on the inside or like there were a couple, like runs behind the guards were doing really well for us so here's there the thing. Were our only runs that actually we, worked we could have had another offensive lineman active but instead nick Ballor got in there for three snaps and you know it just made it happen wouldn't have been great if joey hunt was active so that we had options but no instead, joey hunt's hurt i mean but also is he, is i'd rather re- have our hurt joey hunt than Ballor. so that's that's um, relevant all right, receivers. Let's go. Let's go into the. Uh, can I talk a quick offensive trend comment? Okay. So before we talk about that, we had 21 running back carries and 20 pass attempts. Our pass game was working. Our run game was not working, and we just kept running. It was not this the running. Was the Dallas game over and over. It was not the running backs' fault either. Like it was the, not the running. Chris backs Carson fault. got 46 of his or 45 of his 46 yards after contact uh, and penny got 11, 11 of his 18, 18. yeah yep. so all these guys are running and they're they're getting yards after contact um but nothing nothing doing there's just no there's just no there's no room to run it's really mediocre run blocking day from the offense and we just and pete carroll himself the i think the direct quote was uh we got we were kind of a little arrogant we tried to stuff it at them and thought we'd be able to knock it off the rock giving them credit they did a nice job up front you know what uh, that stuff quotes like that made me really mad because pete carroll just thinks if you keep running it eventually it will work when instead it should be like you know eventually you, you change your game plan you you adapt um good coaches change what they're doing i think this is goes back to my point earlier they disrespected cincinnati a lot they did not think they were very good and they were able to beat them without really doing much of anything i don't know um, I thought in our group chat that uh, you can be a part of if you join our Patreon. Uh, producer Brett uh, had a very good line where he said, "Is this the time of the game?" And it was towards the end of the second quarter. Is this the time of the game where Russ just runs a hurry-up offense? It looks really good, and you wonder, shouldn't this be the offense all the time? And this is something that we've said on the show. I don't. I know that Nathan, you believe we may be holding back, you know, things for better games. Um, even next week against Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know what just. I don't know what to think. I I don't want to believe that Pete Carroll does that because that seems like really bad coaching to think that you just escaped with this win. Actually, you know what it is? It's college coaching mentality. Oh, Kevin. Ugh. I mean, that's that is a college coaching tactic. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Can we go wide receivers now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. So why? Wide receivers. This was the uh, DK Metcalf coming out party. I think when they cut JB and took the risk of having not having him on the roster, it was kind of a big vote of con- confidence for DK Metcalf. And then there we were. Uh, DK Metcalf had probably the what the one of the best rookie games of any Seahawks receiver ever. Uh, I believe he set the record for most uh, receiving yards. Broke Steve Largent's record for most receiving yards in uh, a rookie wide receiver appearance. Yeah. Four receptions, eighty-nine yards. Three of them went for first downs. Moved those chains. Um, the other, uh, the leading receiver in this game was Chris Carson. Surprisingly, uh, six receptions for seventy yards. He had the fumble, which is. Um, killer it's a real killer it, it would have been a great day for carson without the the fumble so that was kind of disappointing but i mean it shows that like carson has versatility people don't give him credit as a pass catcher and uh he really can pass catch really well and avoid tackles in open space which is i don't know he's kind of an all-purpose back i wouldn't be surprised if he was eating up a ton of the volume and there's not very many opportunities for pro size or penny at all, as long as Carson stays healthy. Uh, to speak to Metcalf a little bit more, I was really impressed with the way that he was able to maintain concentration through the catch on a couple of those catches in traffic. The first one, the long catch on a go route, he kind of like shuffled his back shoulder into the corner a little bit and just used his body to create the space and then kind of separated just using his body to create that separation and was able to haul it in on a nice long pass and pick up a couple of yards as he he's not an easy person to bring down. He's a big dude. And then the pass over the middle, I want to say it was his third or fourth catch, where he's going up the seam on like almost like an inverted wheel route. And as he comes up the seam, you see the safety coming across, you see the trailing defensive back, and there's no way that he doesn't realize he's going to get hit. And he caught it and maintained 
possession through the hit. It was just, it was a really big time catch. Strangely, only one of uh, Metcalf's four catches came on a go route, which I had heard from the Seahawks Twitter scouts was the only (laughs) route that he's able to run. So I was very, I was very confused that he was successfully running all these slants and, and, um, you know, other routes other than just a lot of sarcasm from Nathan right now. It was really weird. I didn't understand. I think you like this. So he had 35 snaps out wide. He had five snaps in the slot. So we are using him in a couple of different places. And he flips sides of the field. He was two for three, uh, two catches on three targets in passes 20 yards or more down the field. So he had those two long receptions. And then he had two catches in the zero to 10 yard range. Yeah. So using the fact that he creates an automatic buffer by people respecting his speed. Well, which I really like, those two catches are impressive because one knock I think we all have on Russell Wilson is uh, he's he no good at throwing the slant. And it wasn't quite a slant play, but for DK Metcalf to, to catch a ball that looked slant enough for me, um, it felt like maybe that's a part of Russ's game that has opened up now. Uh, or it's become a little easier for well, him. He's that big physical receiver Pete always likes for that stuff. And it's, it's a taller target for I mean, us. Russ maybe needs to throw to a giant since he's so short. I don't know. That's a joke. Okay. David uh, not a very Goliath? funny one. Maybe accurate, though. Uh, Tyler Lockett. Oof. He had a drop. That's he it. Did. Perfect it. passer rating gone. He said so. He said, oh, now all the pressure's off. That feels good. Yeah. <laughs> he's rating only 135.4. As he all goes, the guys alas, who, as he goes one catch, as he goes one one catch for forty four yards and a touchdown um, on two two targets. Of all the guys that you know who were making mistakes during the game, I was upset with Tyler gets a pass, hundred percent. I was more just shocked. I was like, yeah, Wait, no was one was mad. Tyler yeah. Lockett. I, I was like weirded out. I like was like our huh? Tyler Lockett, he dropped one really. Uh, Vanette and Disley both went, did fine, combining for three catches uh, and uh, Vanette did dying. Sack. Um, dude, Vanette. Oh. That yeah, there were some bad. rough blocking moments. That sack there. was bad. I, I, I made. I'm. Uh, I miss Ed Dixon. I, I, I kind of missed him in this game. I, I last you year he was a, saying that two years. He ago. was a little bit electric, and I, I kind of was like, huh. I could use some Ed Dixon right now because Disley did look a little, a little rawer than I remember. Well, he it, banged we, up his knee a little bit too. Couldn't, couldn't coming back slow and still, yeah, right, nursing an injury, and then Vanette looked like worse than I he did last year. So I don't know. Um, I, I think in general, though, our offense looks sluggish. I didn't like the way that we utilized the pass. We didn't really scheme for time. I just felt like we got out-schemed. And then, Since he was up for this game and we were not, and it yeah. really showed with our offensive play. They pressured Wilson 11 times. He got sacked four of those 11 times. So then the other seven ones where he got the ball off, he three completions, 27 yards. We were... Russ was terrible under pressure in this game, and they and except they, he murdered the blitz, and all the sacks were on non-blitzing plays. Oh yeah, the blitz, the blitzes we picked up. We did a good job picking up blitzes and and just kind of generally protecting on the except for a few plays, like eleven plays. Um, but eleven but for they thirteen. Were important plays. Eleven for thirteen though on the not pressured plays. So it was um. It's a mixed mixed bag, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like the pre- the pressure really got to Russ and made him a lot less effective once it was getting in there, which sometimes it doesn't. But today, this particular game, but big, he didn't do this effect. whole uh, I'm going to run, you know, 17 yards backwards and go down. Uh, maybe because he didn't have the chance, he just went down. Well, yeah. we didn't do a ton of deep drops. We did on one play where that was the Effetti sack that was given oh, up. That's a good point, Kev. What um, if we start doing that? Uh, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, I feel like the big thing is we did not correctly implement the quick passing game, and that's something that we could have done in order to get things going. He kept, we just didn't make them respect it. Instead, we just kept pounding the run. He kept twice on... Uh, on. He did. That was fine. So one was, of those was uh, made me very nervous. Yeah, one of those should have been a knock key. <laughs> no, should, it definitely should have been He's, a knock And key. he was like, I'm going to slide. Nah, I'm going to get hit a couple times. It's going to be fine. All right. Any any other uh, any other comments before we uh, head over to the uh, the, the old defense? Yeah, I would say that th- if this is the offense we see all season, I'm going to be pissed because we teased a better offense in the preseason. I saw better use of play action. I saw better use of the short and intermediate passing game, and we didn't do that in this game. Remember, we got we got tricked the Steelers. We're going on the road to Pittsburgh next week. We gotta we gotta put something on tape that makes them think. Oh, these guys just do what they did against Dallas last year. Well, we can beat that. Well, if there's any coach that knows about not making any adjustments whatsoever, it's Mike Tomlin. Oh my God, they were so bad in that game. <laughs> this, I, I I gotta say real quick, I've been kind of I haven't been a Tomlin apologist, but I've been like I don't know if he's that bad. Dear Lord, 
Let's you get, look awful. Let's get into we'll it get later. We'll get to that later. Let's get into it later. We'll get into it later. We gotta go to the defense. Defense. Okay, three guys on this team combined. They threw forty-five times. Okay, but three of our guys got targeted for twenty-seven of those forty-five throws. So they they really decided to pick on a certain area of the hmm. field. Um, that was Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, and Trey Flowers. Let's talk about how the Seahawks stayed in four-three defense for the majority of this game. Eric, you're you're at home. You're watching. You, you're yeah. starting. You're starting to like uh, get into it. They're, they just won't take the third linebacker off the field. What are you thinking? Uh, <laughs> Joe Mixon's now hurt. Now what are you thinking? I know. what. Because <laughs> <laughs> when Joe Mixon's in the game, I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah, we don't exactly. Want, we don't want the run to beat us, and we're just going to say, hey, Andy Dalton, load up. We're going to stop you in the I red zone. I think that's dumb because we should be able to beat him with, with uh, two linebackers, but whatever, okay. There's something you said in the group chat, but I think it's we were all thinking the exact same thing. You have a nickel defense, and it works. Why aren't you putting it in right now? Why aren't you using this defense that works? That was a popular tweet. Uh, Amadi really. uh, had kind of a rough game in the slot. Like He was good, but not great. Gave up four receptions on four targets for 32 yards. And I think that Pete's confidence in him is kind of low, notified by the fact that they went and si- re-signed Jamar Taylor, sent Perry Nickerson, Nickerson to the shadow realm uh, temporarily, and really went... And said, "Hey, we want to go. We want to go get this guy back. This guy that um, in the preseason was getting his lunch eaten fifty percent of the time and looked good fifty percent of the time." Do you want to know my take on that? What? Uh, let's see if Amadi gets some free safety snaps. Yeah, I, I'm actually in the, in that boat. Is that the, this is a this that was in more almost this is as a much Tedrick Thompson Tedrick response. Tons. He wants. He said to Tedrick the, the quote direct quote about Tedrick was, "We need someone to go out there being an, and be a ball hawk." And Tedrick's not doing it right now. And I agree because te- on that play where Tedrick Thompson jumped up and missed the oh, ball and John Ross scored a touchdown. That straight up should have been an interception. And Easy. Game, instead, game-killing play. Instead, he gave up a touchdown, which, I mean, yes, the coverage on that play also bad by the cornerback, but he's there. He's in position. He just misreads the ball and lo- yeah, loses He wasn't late. Points. He wasn't out of position. Yeah, he, that was Trey Flowers getting beat and Tedrick Thompson not offering safety coverage over the top. Uh, Trey Flowers, as I'm sure you're going to bring up, Gave up 10 receptions on 13 targets. Yikes. If you're targeting a corner 13 times, you have officially found the weakness in the defense, and you are exploiting it. <laughs> and yeah. uh, let's and just it be- wasn't just one guy. There's, like it's, Ross got two catches on him. Uzma got one. Erickson got one. Eifert got one. Boyd got three. Willis got... Like, they were just like, okay, go get yours. Go, go find 21. Okay, However, throw at that guy. <laughs> a 10, 10 for 13. I'm, I'm sorry, 13 attempts, 10 catches. What happened on two of those attempts, Kevin? Two drops. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> on that side of the ball. Yeah. Giovanni Bernard had a bad drop in this the This is not a too. joke. There were two drops. There was only one incompletion on the left side of the field. Uh, Tedrick Thompson did not get credited with the uh, Ross reception. Um, I Basically, 50-50, they both sucked. Yeah, well, uh, Trey was not in the play. Yeah, so Trey was out of it, beat. and Tedrick got... Like, they both got beat. Congratulations. Uh, Te- they kept putting slot receivers on our linebackers and it was an exposed mix uh, mismatch i actually think that i'm not sure that uzma uh was supposed to be flowers it was this weird play where what happened was there was a player that was kind of like almost at the sticks route and both kendricks and ted and uh and trey went to cover him Trey. And it was clearly designed in order to create a bad situation for the zone. And so then Uzma was able to leak out the backside, got behind Flowers, got to the side of the safety, and he was just flat out open. Yeah, Tedrick and, and Trey were both pretty pretty bad in this game. The, that mean, whole side of the field as, was ineffective. As evidenced by the 418 passing yards we get up, gave up, and Andy Dalton all-time best, career best. Um, yeah, so almost, insulting. Almost the most ever given up to uh, a def- an opposing quarterback. I mean, Bobby gave up 86 yards. Kendricks gave up 49. Uh, KJ gave up 46. Like, all these guys were getting beat all over the field. And Pete stubbornly stuck with the fact that, like, I don't want the run to beat us. So I'm going to keep three linebackers on the field. Pretty so the much. Snap counts tell the story. 90%. 60, um, 75 snaps for Bobby, 68 for KJ, 67 for Hendricks, and a total of 21 nickel snaps. Yeah, it's just they that just sucks. They were stubborn and they stuck with it. And you know what? If it results in a win, I'm not going to complain. I, I understand. 
kind of what they're doing. Twenty-one twenty at home against the Bengals. Once, once Mixon, once Mixon gets hurt, you got to change what you're doing because it changes the dynamic of the Bengals' mm-hmm. offense. They have to throw now. I felt like before that it didn't matter. We should have been switching out to nickel. Um, Al Woods was awesome in this game. Al Woods played really good for his forty snaps. Puna was serviceable. I thought he had a good game. But the real star on the defensive line was Quentin Jefferson and Jadavian Clowney. Quentin Jefferson used the extra space provided by Clowney, who was an absolute wrecking ball. Um, basically unblockable. Basically every play he he was either getting held or or getting off. Yeah, and Clowney was super it was, disruptive. It, it was insane to watch the, the tape because guys just like hold him so much because he's just so unblockable. The and defense then, got 25 pressures, and he was a big part of and that. And then Q, Q's in there just on every play, just two sacks, one hit, four hurries, seven total. Um, just really, really great game from Quentin Jefferson, playing some right end, some some defensive tackle, took snaps at both of those positions, as I think we kind of expected. And then Rasheem Green. Yeah, Rash- that, strip, that strip sack. He had a strip sack at the and end of the game. Pressures. And I think this was easily his best game in a Seahawks uniform. Absolutely, I think, yeah. I think they, they really have... He's really starting to come into his own. They found something here, and I'm really, really happy about it. Uh, Brandon Jackson got in on it. He had three pressures. He played really decent. He looked like a rotation end. I think Brandon Jackson uh, had a good game. I'm gonna go to Rasheem Green real quick. I felt like this was what we, uh, what we were hoping we would see from. Uh, oh dear lord, I forgot the. I mean, our young, our young man who uh, we loved a couple years ago is never gonna play for the Seahawks oh, again. Uh, Crap, Jacob Martin. No, no. no. I mean, uh, but I mean, Michigan State. Rasheem Green did play a lot of Leo in this game. Like he played, yeah. he played forty snaps of Leo. He, he was like the, he was like the guy. They, they were like, go out there and rush the passer, I'll young soon man. We forget. Damn, this, this hurt me. Are you talking about Malik McDowell? Yes. No, no, the guy two years ago oh, we I thought was going to be amazing. No, the guy two years ago we thought was going to be amazing, and now Frank he's Clark. injured. It's it's over. Move on. Move on. I'm going to shout his I'm gonna, name. I'm going to keep playing. Keep I'm, naming guys that play for the Seahawks. He's, he's injury designation. I'm waiting to find out that it was actually Quentin Jefferson. Injury designation. Anyway, Jefferson played. Uh, you know, some in the middle, some on the outside, some right end, some right outside, some nose tackle. Like they moved Quentin Jefferson around. He played 48 snaps at like seven different positions in this game, which is awesome. It's it's really good to see those guys' versatility being fully utilized. And when Jaron comes back, it just provides us another layer of, you know, what we can do, ways we can line up, ways that we can mess with the defense. Um, Brandon Jackson had three hurries. Can pretty I solid give game. a little bit of praise to two defensive backs? Um, okay. I yeah. thought Brad McDougald played a really solid game. Uh, he was like our steady guy in the middle. And I thought Shaquille Griffin had a good game. He was targeted three times, gave up one catch for seven yards, had a pass breakup and a second pass breakup. He went stride for stride with John Ross, who might not be able to catch that great, but we can't argue that he's really oh. fast. Another thing we should bring and up about, about Trey's horrible game, too, he had two like pass interference penalties. Yep. One that I thought was pretty soft, but still, I mean, it was definitely something you could call pass interference. Shaq, another, the thing is, is that they had decided to not to look at him, so I just don't know how good he's really playing. But well, he when he had a chance to show, he showed well, yeah, and I want to give fun. him credit for that, because um, last year that wasn't always the case. Uh, that's, I think that's it for the defense. I would, I would, I would expect Brian Monet to get the axe when, when Jaron comes back, and they just, yeah. like, get, you know, lower Puna's snap count a little bit, lower Alwood's snap count a little bit, Quentin Jefferson probably loses, like, eight snaps, and then everyone else stays basically the same. Yep. Um, that's that's my prediction for that. Special teams, Member Kervin, very good. Shaquem Griffin, very, very good. Anyone who says Shaquem Griffin shouldn't make this team, just watch the special team snaps in this game, and please tell me that again. People I don't watch special teams. Don't, and, uh, I don't understand what you're talking about. Unless you're a deep diver on this podcast, you probably still don't appreciate special teams. It's sad. You've got to examine all three phases of a football game. There's a reason that like we've kept Nico Thorpe ten years in a row, right? Or you know, not that many, but a lot of years in a row. That guy's an A plus special teamer. Um, hopefully, get be- get well soon, Easy. I love you. And then uh, Shaquem Griffin's the same thing, man. We're keeping him because he's an A plus special teamer. He's the new Chris Maragos. Deal with it. Like that. People love Chris Maragos. Why do they hate Shaquem Griffin so much? It doesn't make sense to me. Because they all thought he was going to come in and be KJ Wright, and they didn't like actually think about what his skill set is. Fifth round pick. Some things. Naz Jones is that player I was going for. Gentlemen, let's oh. keep going. Thank you. Naz, you thought Naz Jones was going to be good? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, how dare you. <laughs> Podcast favorite Naz Jones. <laughs> but I like how we all forget Naz Jones existed. So I just assume Malik McDowell because of end. That's, it's fair. Malik McDowell, he wants to see your manager. Um, or talk to your manager. 
Kevin, he's ready to play on any team you want. Okay, he let's go to so. the pro football focus ratings because I think it provides a nice like contextualization for this. Uh, Seahawks ended up 20th in offensive rank, uh, 10th in defensive rank, including second against the run, and then sixth in special teams. Pretty nice showing and kind of exactly what you'd expect. We decided to beat to stop the that run. Was football in the, outsiders DVOA. Sorry, yeah, DV, football outsiders DVOA. We decided to stop the run in this game, and we did. Uh, that's what they they set out to do, and they A-S. succeeded. So I can't really criticize him too much. I still want them to throw more. I hope that the defense doesn't look like that against the Steelers because Big Ben will tear us up. And he will definitely be looking for revenge in this game because they got embarrassed on national television last week. So they're going to be – I'm sure they're going to come out and look a lot different. Eric. Yeah. Are you scared of the Steelers this week? Um, You know, before – okay, I'll say this. After the 21-20 loss, Yes. Because twenty one twenty win, buddy. I'm sorry, you're right. Twenty one twenty win. <laughs> this is going obviously off feelings. Um, <laughs> I'll say this after yeah, the great emotional loss when we in the preseason when we picked uh, win loss win loss before Jadavian Clowney. Steelers is a game that I had circled as a loss. Uh, we needed to go kind of. We argued we need to go three and two to probably make the playoffs in our first five games. I looked at the Steelers as a you better win, but you're probably not going to. With Jadavian Clowney. I thought that might be a flip. Like, we're going to, we can beat the Steelers. We can be better. You know, it's that more optimism. After that amazing Sunday night football game, the only game that I did not watch past halftime on Sunday. <laughs> um, this is, by the way, the guy who was like, ooh, extra play, extra play time with the Lions and the Cardinals. Ooh, I can't wait. I watched that, no problem. Um, the Steelers looked awful. They are going to be home against a long-traveled Seahawks team with maybe some offensive issues coming off their uh, their big win over the Bengals. Yeah, I'm concerned about we're the Steelers. Problems at, Absolutely. We're having pr- problems at slot wide receiver, and then we get to face like the best slot wide receiver in the league. Yep, that's, that's, that's problematic. That's not that's not my favorite not to mention, news to receive. Uh, big Ben is, he is big. He's not easy to take down. I'm not sure we're going to be able to be able to really get pressure with four much this year, at least until Ziggy comes back. Which Ooh, I beg to that's differ. A, hold on, we'll get to that. Well, that'll be a coin flip. Um, it's not going to be consistent anyway, and I'll, I'll argue that with you, Kevin. You also have uh, James Conner, who is not an injured uh, Cincinnati run game. I feel like this is – if there was a trap game, this is it. So Early a, in the season. Here's the thing is that the, the – the defensive game plan for the Patriots is one that the Seahawks will not be able to execute. They only had 11 pressures, and they had they allowed, they had 47 pass attempts, and they only gave up 27 receptions. You know why that that game plan is possible? Because, because they really they're they're secondary freaking rules. They have the the best secondary in the league. Gilmore, they got the McCordys. You know they have this great like transcendent secondary that allows them to do this. Jonathan Jones, their slot cornerback, is very good. Yeah, he just uh, got paid too. Yeah, they well, I mean, you got to pay him. He's awesome. So, so then they have all these really good players in their secondary. So they run like the reverse of the game plan we ran, which is against the Bengals. We tried to just create pressure, create pressure, a bomb in the front seven. We're, if we do that against Pittsburgh, they Ben is going to tear us up. He's going to have five hundred yards passing. The game plan has to look different. If we're stubborn and we stick with what we were doing, um, this could be a very, very ugly game for the Seahawks. It's terrifying because we can't execute the game plan New England just did. That 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 provides us no guidance for how we can beat this this uh, Pittsburgh team. So what I'll say is that the left side of the Pittsburgh line allowed six pressures against a Patriots team that wasn't really going for the pressure. They did run out a lot of three or four wide receiver sets with like a Juju in the slot or on the inside. You have Dante Moncrief, who nobody should worry about. Uh, Deontay Johnson, who we don't really know. And then James Washington has a ton of big play potential. He's a guy I'd really worry about in a matchup against a guy like uh, Trey Flowers, where he just seems to be really good about going and getting it downfield. The only thing that makes me a little optimistic is that's not too different than like Sutton's skill set for Denver. And that was the type of wide receiver that Trey Flowers could actually handle. So I'm curious to see what those matchups end up looking like. But if we can get pressure with our front four, which I think we can, then I do think this is something where we're going to give up some yards and touchdowns, but we could keep it from getting insane. Another thing that terrifies me about this game is Pittsburgh went into this game and they decided, hey, we're not going to let the run beat us. They got 26 run stops, which is pretty insane. It's like an insane number of run stops. The run did not beat them. 
So instead, Tom Brady beat them because, of course, and I'm afraid the Seahawks will be too stubborn to just yep. take what the defense gives them and just will just keep pounding it in the middle and lose like a close game that is very, very winnable. You know that the Seahawks will lose 24-20 in a game where they could have won if they just would have cut Russ loose and stopped doing stupid stuff. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of TJ Watt coming off the outside linebacker spot. TJ Watt's really And good. I'm not sure we really have the answer for that necessarily. Um, I'm worried chip about... It, chip in with Disley, dude. Not, I'm worried about uh, Stefan Tuitt. Disley is out for a little bit. I'm worried about Stefan Tuitt and Javon Hargrave um, and the pressures they can get on the inside if They're, we run Britt out there and not Cameron, completely healthy. And Cameron Hayward, too. Cameron, Cameron Hayward's Hayward a real too. guy. Uh, so there are some things to worry about as far as their ability to get pressure on Russ and like the weakness of this team is that their their defensive backs you can Are not great you can pick on Joe Hayden man like we should every time we come out we should look like where's Joe Hayden and they should just throw it to that guy but that, if you're not picking on Joe Hayden you could also just pick on Artie Burns who yeah. also isn't very good no I mean, Artie Burns Artie owns a deli in Pittsburgh. Artie Burns on the bright side, their safeties game. are also not that good. And their and their middle linebackers, uh, Devin Bush is, is young and developing, but their other middle linebackers are not not yeah, great. Their coverage skills are let's call them less than stellar. I mean, uh, they tried to lean into what they're good at: stop the run, rush the passer, but don't worry about covering guys. And but, that's really good against Seattle if we don't make adjustments. Yeah, if we don't so adjust, and we throw. need to adjust. I'm I'm kind of worried that this isn't going to be a shootout because I think the shootout is the only way we win. I'm worried about uh, the savviness of Big Ben. <clears throat> he'll be looking at the left side of the field, but I believe he'll have some drag routes over to the right side that will bring Shaq in more, which will then open up the back of the field. I don't know if I can trust our safeties of this game. I see Big Ben kind of just bombing it out more than we'd want him to. Um, I see sh- just shootout all over the place, and it could be a one-sided one after I, last week's game. If you remember our 39-30 win a couple years back, oh yes, uh, where Russ had to throw it all over the yard, I could see a game like that. I actually think that's our best-case scenario. If, if Sonny Michelle had 15 rushes for 14 yards in this game, and I could totally see us being stubbornly just pounding it like that. The only reason Sonny Michelle got to 15 carries is because they were up by 30, and they were yes. like, oh, let's just run four minutes off the clock. Who cares? Uh, yep, that, that's the only reason it happened. Because otherwise, they they st- they basically stopped running after the after a certain point and just started piling up the points. Well, after the Steelers kicked the field goal and basically said, "Sorry, we quit." White flag, man! What a white flag moment to kick a field goal on the one when you're down twenty to zero. <laughs> yep, we just want to get shut out, coach. We do, we just wanted to get some points on the board, get some momentum going. It's this like, will save my job. Take take that. I mean, at, at that point, you lost all faith you had in uh, Dr. House, right? I'll say this. <laughs> <laughs> I he, does think look like Mike... that, he does look like that guy from House, though. Like uh, a, little, a little bit. A little bit? Mike Tomlin. If you told me Mike Tomlin was the same person as that guy from House, not Dr. House. But not Dr. Omar House, Epps. of course not. Yeah. But Nomar Epps or whatever. Mike Epps? I don't know what that guy's name is. The... It's, it's Omar, Omar Epps. Epps. Mike yeah. Epps. Mike, it's the Mike... guy from Major League, too. Yeah. That guy is, he looks just like that was like for that Kevin. Dude. Mike Tomlin is a coach that I kind of I don't Wait, know if that I really had a lot of faith Ma- in. Is that really the guy from Major League Two? Yes, it is. Willie Mays. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the Wesley Snipes filling. <laughs> uh, a lot of people are making their uh, money on being Wesley Snipes filling. Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein. <laughs> uh, Mike Tomlin is a guy that I didn't think was a terrible coach. I thought his welcome might be uh, you know be running out in Pittsburgh. Man, what a gutless performance on Sunday Night Football, all the way around. If he would just put up one more gutless performance this week. I would be so happy. We could do it. Because <laughs> that right. was some bad coaching. All right. Are we moving to picks? No. No? I'm not, I'm not ready. All right. I have, I have, I'm <laughs> not, not ready. Not this week, everyone. Mostly because I have I have a few more Twitter things that we need to talk about. All right. Let's okay. hit them. Okay. Um, Bangers and match. So, I, so question for Eric. Um, preseason training camp, not what it used to be in terms of contract contact drills. So is it... Do you think that the, the the changes to the rules have hurt the Seahawks more than other teams? Because I know that we broke the rules a lot because we like to do more contact practices. Eric, do you think that this had a bigger effect on the Seahawks than some other teams? I think so, absolutely. However, it shouldn't. Because like you said, we did break the rules. Uh, we brought The first rule they changed was you couldn't bring in guys uh, like four days a week or three days a week. You only do it one, and the Seahawks immediately... Uh, brought in three and they i think it was outed via some radio interview uh yeah i think that the big one that got us though was the number uh it was how long you had to wait for your first life hitting yes yes and i think we break that we broke that twice i it did affect us it really shouldn't though i mean it's not like 
that was the secret to our Super Bowl success. It's just maybe, I will say Pete Carroll, good at second half adjustments. Maybe not so great on on-the-fly adjustments or on any adjustments that take away from his hubris. I would also say where one of the hallmarks of the defense, though, was sure tackling and being able to practice tackling less prior to the season starting, reducing the total number of hits could be partially responsible for some of the weaknesses in our defense. Do you, Okay, who's to blame more for the issues we had in the first game, Kevin? Coaches in the scheme or the players? Coaches in the scheme. I feel like we got out-schemed, and maybe we let ourselves get out-schemed, but I don't think the execution was bad enough to justify it. I mean, yeah, Britt struggled massively. What did we do to help? What did we do to change things up? What did we do to out-scheme that situation? Joe Mixon was out. What did we do? All right, we make, just let Andy Dalton destroy us. 4-3 oh, all game. Make a prediction. Who starts at free safety next game? Brad McDougal. No, I'm, I'm sorry. The other safety than Brad. How about strong. That? I know. I'm saying Brad starts at free safety. And who starts at strong safety then? Uh, let's go with... Please say Lano Hill. I just want to make everyone mad. Because <laughs> you know if we say Lano Hill, people will be like, not Lano Hill, it's got to be Blair or Amadi. Honestly, if I had to put money on it, I would say Hill or Blair. I don't think Amadi's going to make that move. Uh, honestly, I could see us putting Tedrick at strong and using him as a box coverage safety. <laughs> so just that is a, that is a brave mouth. call, Kevin. Uh, not a dumb call, a brave call. I just I'm think gonna, he's our better deep coverage option. I'm going to go with the starting safeties in this game are McDougald. And Amadi. Yeah, I'm going to go Amadi also. I think Amadi. Amadi has won over the coaching staff. I, I also think Amadi can play the strong safety position the way we have it. Blair, I think the team is terrified to throw him out there because of the mistakes. And yeah, the, the toxic differential on that is they're, vicious. And Tedrick made those mistakes in this game, so there's no excuse not to try someone else. But I don't know if they'll try Blair. He's in toxic jail? Yeah. They might go to differential Differential diner or wherever, wherever the, the people go. Uh, all right. Eric, who's the starting yeah. safeties? Who do you got? I just told you. Differential. I, uh, I, got, I have, uh, I can see it's either Hill or, um, it'll be, it'll be Doug on one side. I'm sorry. Uh, Brad. Brad, thank you. I just, and you like Lano? guys, it's a, it's Tedrick? a tough day for me today. T squared? No. How dare you? <laughs> I think it's going to be Blair or, or uh, Lano on the other side. All right. Um, okay. Individual players. We all talked about Clowney. He was unblockable. Puna Ford. Pretty good game, but not nothing special. Uh, he also has a he has a calf thing, Post. which I think means the lower half of his leg fell off. Uh, if I if I if I read Pete correctly, Posich uh, terrible, uh, probably playing hurt. Uh, and, Posich no Posich had a pretty oh, good Posich, game. Oh Posich no Posich I got Posich great. Great. Brit. Uh, Posich was great. Yeah, uh, not all centers um, look alike. One thing about Ethan Posich is that I really impressed Center me is that uh, it reminds me of the development of Brit, where he was kind of a dumpster fire for a while, and it took him a while to catch up to the speed of nfl players but once he did um he's he's now he looks like he's a real dude and he'll probably have a nice productive four years for us in his second contract yeah i would go so far as to say that ethan posich looks like a above average interior offensive lineman mm-hmm. which is more than i think people I think are ready to say i think he could be a pro bowl center if we just like lean into that i don't know if we will yeah i think he could be at least the same level that brit attained uh, uh, and then the last one on the list was Rashim Green. Rashim Green. Awesome. Uh, he had his best game as a Seahawk, like we said earlier. What Naz Jones should have been. Rewind that 20 minutes. Um, okay. Uh, Rashad Penny, do you think the team should try to mix him in more, or do you think this is a Chris Carson show with a taste of Penny? It's a Chris Carson show with a taste of Penny. You can't you can't go wrong with Chris Carson right now. And Having said that, like Rashad Penny, that was a big pick that we wasted at this point in his career. If he comes along in game five and he starts kicking ass for us, it's a good pick. But as of right now, that is a wasted pick. Uh, and then, Kevin, did we not play CJ Procise in this game because he's the secret weapon? Yes or yes? <laughs> uh, you know, you can't take the uh, the tarp off of the Ferrari game one. Dude, you got to save him for the big games. Honestly, we only have Penny in there for 14 snaps. I don't think that was the right move. If we're going to utilize... Uh, to be Chris fair, Carson's good on dump offs, but if you want somebody who makes a play in space, Penny's your guy. Kevin, that we only had twenty four snaps in the whole game, though. So uh, it makes which, sense. that was another problem. Which which at healthy and active made you the most mad, and why was it John or Sua? Uh, yeah, the it end. Was John or Sua? Yeah, John or Sua. I did not. So the the healthy well, scratch. Hey, thing wait a minute. Already they already knew me... they weren't going to throw it ever. Jeron Brown didn't get a fucking <laughs> catch. Did John Brown? Didn't... Okay, let's talk about JB for a second. Okay, Jeron Brown didn't get a target. Jeron Brown. <laughs> 
who I'm going Mark to go on record. got two targets. I, I think he's take. really I think good. I need to spread out some of these Chris Carson targets. Thank you very much. Yeah, Chris Carson gets seven targets in the run. Oh, those and then I those hate are the, de facto targets. So uh, Ben Baldwin on, for The Athletic. That's de facto a better target. Ben Baldwin wrote a really good article because uh, it was about how running back the Seahawks said running back targets were going to be like our new thing. We're gonna we're not going to pass, but we're going to pass more. But we're going to pass it to the running back. And so he did like a nice study of like, is the EPA of throwing to a running back better than throwing to any other position? The answer was like, no, throwing to running backs is worse than throwing to anyone else. And it's slightly better than a run, but not enough for it to matter. So like you might as well just run. If we're just going to throw to Chris Carson eight times a game, that's us expanding the pass game. Just run eight more times. Like it's just as infuriating. I'm just as mad about that as I am about eight more runs the throws to chris carson were like there was a couple where he was like the third read that's fine i'm okay with dump that. off yeah yeah like congratulations on not taking a sack or not just expecting rest to be magical like that's fine but chris carson shouldn't be a primary option on more than like one or two pass plays a game it's like the old uh the old side sideline screen that we would run all the time with players that couldn't yeah, make it. Yeah, this was a Brian Walter screen pass. Yeah, this is the this is the graduated version of that. Oh, and then, let the me talk about Tio special. Let me talk about oh. one thing I see on online all the time. That okay, third and sixteen. Okay, it's third Law and sixteen, needed. and the team comes out and they run a draw play. Okay, and then everyone on Twitter complains about it. And yeah, it does suck to wave the white flag and run a draw play. But there's not one single play in the Seahawks playbook for third and 16. And to me, like, think about what Pete Carroll does. His goal is to protect the ball, play field position, not make any turnovers. If you run a third and 16 play and you aim for the sticks, there's a chance that that play turns into an interception. And not like a small chance, like a decent shot. And he would just rather take a 0.1% chance of a draw play turning into 16 yards than, than take a 20% chance of it turning into an interception. And I completely understand what he's doing. I don't always necessarily agree with it. I think sometimes he's a little too passive in those situations, but it is not as bad a play call as people make it out to be. It's annoying. I agree. I get frustrated, but it's not like a horrible play call. He's doing a thing. Is it more annoying because it comes on the heels of 10 years of Holmgren doing the exact now, same thing? Now, when this Holmgren is... did it, that was a much more aggressive offense, so it was way more frustrating. Also, he did it, he did it with Max Strong every time. Yeah, it was always a fullback draw. It was I like, will... <laughs> at least then you used the fullback. I will concede, though, that this is uh, what a lot of teams do on third and 16. Like Nathan said, it's a higher risk if you throw the ball. And you could say risk or reward, but it's not really a, a high chance of a reward. At this point, if you get eight yards and there's a face mask, that's a much better outcome because that's a first down. I get it. You're trying to set up a better punting. Now, ultimately, field, let's, field situation. let's just attack a different issue, which is the same issue. How about we just don't have any more third and longs or as frequent third and longs? Like, I don't like this. Let's run the ball twice. And now it's third and 12. Now, what I will say, though, is we had multiple times where we didn't run the ball twice. Oh, yeah. We it wasn't run, run. We only did punt. We didn't do that nearly as often. Run, it was run, more pa- like ineffective pass, <laughs> run, pass, punt, or it was somehow more infuriating. Pass, yeah, ineffective pass, punt, which was better, worse, and terrible. Good, just as irritating. Yeah. The thing is, is that I feel like our player personnel is must be somewhat predictable. Because it does seem like the other team knows, has an idea what's coming. Oh, it, it looks like Cincinnati was reading our playbook for the first entire game and then and then the def on the defensive side too it just felt like everything we were doing was so predictable because they were carving us up with this these intermediate routes that it's all scheme and i mean i know zach taylor is probably a really good coach because he's in the mcveigh coaching tree that everyone loves to to fillet them fillet but but uh come on there's no reason Once that a first year coach in his day. first game should be like just destroying a what i think people widely consider to be a top 10 defense that's just it was a. Uh, it's rough. It's a rough go. And yeah, we're missing two of our best defensive linemen, but that's not going to fix the problems in the secondary. How different does the game look if Tedrick doesn't misplay that ball? Well, I mean, we went 21 to 13, and I think everyone doesn't say anything about if it. If Lockett catches that Agreed. ball and Tedrick intercepts that pass, it is a much, at worst, it's 24-10. And those are toxic differential plays that Pete tries to avoid. I yep. mean, it's exa- it's the Pete Carroll strategy. And we we had Pete Carroll's nightmare game. We did not execute the Pete Carroll strategy that he was that he tries to do. Um, all right, now now we can do picks. Now I feel ready for picks. I'm gonna go. Uh, I want to. I want to do that thing we do where we all pick the Steelers and then the Seahawks win. So I'm gonna go Steelers, 
24, Seahawks 17. All right, Eric. I like that you're doing this, Nathan. I am really concerned with the short passes that open up the long part of the field. Steelers, 35, Seahawks, 20. Oof. That's a lot of points. Um, I will say, saying that we're doing it beforehand makes it less effective. No so, way, dude. Not, not a fan. I, I, uh, um, it's just as effective as it always is. It, 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 I see two bad secondaries. 50% of the time, Kevin. It works, it works every time. <laughs> you, know, you miss every, every shot you don't take. Uh, and 90% of the game is mental and the other 10% is in your head. Uh, Separations and preparation. Or a divorce. Um, <laughs> um, Oldie but a goodie. I'm going to say this is a shootout. I'm going to go with 33-27 Pittsburgh. All right. So that's the that's our picks for this game. Um, since we all picked the away team, the long-time listeners know that gives us a better chance to win. doesn't always work, but, um, you know, we're, so we've, we've raised our odds from 0 to, to 25 now. Edge. Working. It's working good. 7. 0 to 7%. <laughs> 12%. Thank you. Uh, okay, uh, if you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. Uh, the best of which is head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest and for as little dollar 24 a month, get access to our picks where Kevin and Eric do good in week one, I do bad in week one, and then we all even out throughout the season. Uh, thank you, Forrest, Richard, James, Chuck Attila, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Bob, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Floctimus, Michelle, Brian, Frank, and Nick. And another thing, too. Uh, before I, uh, I cl- close up shop on this, uh, if you have no money and you want to support us, follow us on SoundCloud, like us on Twitter, like, uh, follow us on Twitter, follow us on um, any, or give us a thumbs up on any of those social media sites, iTunes reviews, get in there, get, get us another five-star rating. Um, how many five-star ratings do you think we're at now? 82. Eric? 82? 85. 81. Oh. Pretty good. That's uh, good. We're 12 past the goal, guys. So uh, for for all of the listeners, thank you so much for your support. Keeps us going. Helps us out more than you can ever know. Um, Also, okay, this is for the after the cut, okay? I know that last week I really came after the professor uh, for for saying Nick Ballore was 100% to make the roster. And I am am not backing down. You know why? Because Nick Ballore got cut, and I was right. Double down. Uh, Nick Ballore did not make the initial fifty-three man roster. Something you should always know about Nathan is that he bets only on Nathan. Uh, so, so you know, maybe, maybe, uh, and I like that smug tweet he put out. I swear to God, he listened to this because he put out that smug tweet that was like, Jaron Brown, Nick Ballore, and uh, who's the other guy? Um, someone else are all back. Show of faith from the team, or show of uh, faith from the team and the players. You know, or like faith oh, in Gino. the relationship. Oh, Geno Smith, yeah. Like, Nathan betting on Nathan sounds out. like another Wesley Snipes stand-in. Um, sounds like a way to go eight and seven. I just can't. One. I just can't believe Malik Turner is still on the active roster too. Like we gave up, we gave up Austin Calitro to have fourteen snaps of Malik Turner, <laughs> where he did absolutely, where he did absolutely nothing, and then, but he, he did have I that one. Rather he did that one really good block on the outside. I would have rather kept Bolor. I hate you. I would have rather kept Bolor <laughs> off the roster. And tried to convert Calitro into a fullback. Hey, uh, Kevin, what would you? How would you rate Malik Turner's stock blocking? Three, three. I, I would give. I'm going to give it a solid seven, dude. He's a good stock blocker. But well, uh, I was going on a scale of five, so he's oh, the same rating. Kind of the same rating, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's get into a movie club this week. Uh, last week, uh, John Snyder committed a heist, and it was suggested on Twitter that we do a heist movie and i thought we don't have to be talked into doing heists. yeah we all love heist movies so i want to talk about the town 2010 ben affleck directed uh ben affleck, ben affleck written, starred written. because it was required for it to get funding ben affleck stars <laughs> there's a lot of good actors in the movie though jeremy renner john ham let me talk about the jeremy renner thing real quick eric <laughs> have you heard about the jeremy renner app no and uh you teased this and i have not googled it okay i told you not to google it because i know I'm i knew ready. it was coming okay jeremy so renner cool. so jeremy renner okay so if you go to the app store right now there's let an, it be known i'm not a huge jeremy renner fan actually bro there's a there's Famous it, for National Lampoon's senior trip. Famous Jeremy for using Renner. the hashtag Happy Wednesday on Wednesday. Um, so, surprise, surprise. He has a band, everyone. Okay. Yeah, it's an Imagine Dragons ripoff. So <laughs> Jeremy Renner. I'm not joking. Jeremy Renner. Um, 
he hey, I can do this too. There's a company that will make you an app if you're a celebrity. And then you can interact with your fans on the app. And the way it works is like you can buy these stars that will make or you can you can just give them out. If you're in the Jeremy Renner app, you can just you get stars over time and then you can give people stars to and then Jeremy Renner will see your stuff. So it started out as like this weird Jeremy Renner community. And a couple people wrote articles about it. Uh, the Ringer Wired. They're like, check it out. There's all these people who just like really like Jeremy Renner for some reason. Hawkeye from the Avengers. And they're all like in this Jeremy Renner app, like building each other up. And Jeremy Renner's actually in here, like telling people how cool they are. So it was like this thing. And then all of a sudden, the internet trolls found it. And they all started <laughs> making Facebook accounts saying they were Jeremy Renner. Or they were like they were like pasta Jeremy Renner. It's like the uh, Italian version and just stuff like that. Just the dumbest thing. And then they went on the app and just basically ruined it. And then Jeremy Renner writes this like note. He, um, Wait, can you call it a moving tribute? Uh, I guess you could <laughs> say that. But it's, an, it's a, a moving note. moving tribute to his fans? Uh, he writes this note about like... Um, I can't remember. He's so, I'm, I'm not. I'm just he, nauseous looking at he pictures of what you're talking about. Here we go. He on. says. He says goodbye. The app has jumped the shark, literally, <laughs> due to clever individuals that were able to manipulate ways to impersonate me and others within the app. I have asked EscapeX, the company that runs this app, to shut it down immediately and refund anyone who has purchased any stars over the last 90 days. What was supposed to be a place for fans to connect with each other has turned into a place that is everything I detest and can't or won't condone. <laughs> My sincere apologies for this to have not turned out the way it was intended. To all the super fans who have supported me with your words or encouragement, amazing arts, stories, and time shared on the app, a genuine thank you, and I hope to see you on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. JR. JR. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> this app jumped the shark. Yeah, no shit. Right when it was created. Also, clever people. Trolls aren't clever. They just. Dude, the best was like Jeremy. They just slammed you. The, the first thing I saw about the Jeremy Renner app was some guy going, like, Hey, Jeremy, gonna go look at porn tonight. And Jeremy Renner responding, Ew, gross. Which <laughs> 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 just, just so, so funny. Well, but I yeah. guess we're not gonna buy a bunch of stars but, and have Seahawks and Jeremy Renner Club. But for Jeremy, for Jeremy Renner, uh, he, remember, he calls Wednesday, Wednesday, and tells everyone happy Wednesday. That's all you need to know about Jeremy Renner. I'm I'm tripling down on me not liking him. Uh, I'm tripling down on me loving Jeremy Renner. All right, so the town. Brett, in, save me. In Jeremy in the town, Jeremy Renner Jeremy plays Renner himself a genuine piece of shit. <laughs> Cuz he is. He does. He plays a total piece of shit. Okay, this. and then um named Jem. Jem. A real he's a real gem. That's what that's what the teacher said about him. This one? This one's a real you got a real gem right yeah, here. That's what he James. Me, when he called me Jem at the beginning of the podcast, I was like, is that because he's the worst character and or same reason, because you know I hate Jeremy Renner. Uh, uh, no, it's because we knew that uh, you have an app where your friends can interact with you, <laughs> and you give them uh, you give them little stars. Yeah, you you make them pay for stars to so you can see their posts. Um, so <laughs> yeah, douche. the town's a crime thriller. It's got heisty elements to it. Um, what I really good en- cast. What I really enjoy about this movie is just how it feels so Boston. Um, it feels so Boston. There's so much. It's they like the that, most yeah. Boston feeling they movie I think I've ever seen. Pack. Yeah, they, they left out donkeys. They left out donkeys. Are you they sure? Did. I think there were some donkeys. Well, I mean, they didn't talk about donkeys. You're right. They didn't talk about no. donkeys. No. And then, so they, there's a, I just think this Maybe movie. The filming wasn't near one of the good donkeys. They had to go down a couple blocks to the other donkeys. Sorry, Nathan. No, it's good. <laughs> uh, I just think this movie is really well written. It's tense. It's uh, about 15 minutes too long. When it picks up, though, it, you're right. It is tense as shit when like things start folding down and you're trying to figure out what Jem knows versus what Dougie's figured out and uh, they're trying to wrap up the situation with uh, the bank teller going into witness protection. Like when all that's coming to a culmination and then the climax of the movie. And also, they, that's like super tense. They're trying to like get get rid of Pete Postal Wave. This they're is a 10 like, year old yes. movie. There's no such thing as spoilers. We're going in. This movie yeah. starts like, oh, this is going to be such a good movie. And then it does drag just a little right before it gets super tense and you're reminded, oh, yeah. This is why this movie's so good. Yeah, what, the planning what? phase is cool, and then like there's like this. There's a really good scene intermediary, it. like post heist pre fallout phase that is just a little longer than you. The want relationship to be. building, the relationship part with building the with the girl. Yeah, but there's a good part in that in that relationship <laughs> building part though, where what a man where um, complain about Claire Claire the the female uh, love thing. interest. She reveals that some Dominican guys have been harassing her and like throwing bricks at her car and stuff, <laughs> oh, yes. and then and then. Uh, ben Affleck goes to Jeremy Renner and he just goes, "Hey, 
I need to do a thing. You can't ask any questions about it. And you can, or we never talk about it again. Are you in? And he's just like, yeah. And then they go beat the shit out of these guys with hockey masks on. Yep. It's so awesome. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's definitely the it's, same scene that was in Goodwill Hunting, but it's delightful. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> super, it's just the most Boston too. It was, yeah. It must be a Boston thing. It was a good one. Uh, you know, John Hamm is good in everything. Uh, he was good in this too. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. It's kind of weird the way that Blake Lively's character is used. Yeah, there's so we talked about this before the podcast, she and knows I said way too much. There's like there's like this character. It's played by Blake Lively. She obviously really likes Ben Affleck's character, Doug. She really wants to like be with Doug. Doug's not interested anymore. They lives like had a flame in the past or something, and it's over. And she's he's not into it. But then there's a point in the movie where John Hamm like leverages uh, like a fake a relationship with her to like get information about their heist and it's like how does blake lively know anything why would you let this character who you don't care about why would you let them know so much about your plan it's like the big hole in the movie for me it just doesn't make any sense and i think it's that whole like she's kind of part of the family so she's on the inside of things but like it's not good to have her there i thought jeremy renner's character was really well done yeah, it's the, it, his acting in this movie is t- is top notch. I mean, he got a, a Academy Award nomination for it. You know, a movie this feels like really? to me. Uh, there's a similar overall feel to The Departed. Oh, okay. Uh, like some of the tenseness, a lot of the character interactions, a lot of the Boston, a lot of the Boston. I have a I have a similar. I have a way different take, actually. Okay. This movie. If you say cop and a half, I'm. I'm not well, with you. we'll, we'll we're, cop and a half is coming next week, but I feel like this is this generation or um, this modern day retelling of a Boston version of Point Break, <laughs> and obviously not with Johnny Utah. Now, who's the undercover cop then? Uh, it's it's John Hamm. John Hamm, John Hamm plays his own roles, but you have like, um, you also have Ben Affleck is like the sympathetic character that you want to root for. You've got the the way they shoot the masks the, when they when they uh, commit the crimes is very Point Break. Uh, there's this level of freedom that they're trying to attain. It is a spiritual retelling, in my opinion, and I, that may not be popular, but after I watched it, I was like, wow, this is like if you rewrote Point Break now. And intended it to not be Point Break, but it still like kept that feeling. The big thing for me in this movie is it nails the heist elements. It nails the plan. It nails the heist, and it nails the fallout. The whole Fenway that, Park thing is just bullets. And the end, and the ending's really good too. How he like they had like a code phrase, you know, that she uses, and then she and when he, everything he, seems he, like it fell apart, but then didn't he? Yeah, he goes and he puts that note on the on the cop's car. It yeah. says, "Go fuck yourself." And then <laughs> and then she's gardening and she digs up the money and he, she's able to fix the the ice rink and he gets and he's in Florida. You know, it's like it's got like a nice like you know it's it's melancholy but also like happy ending, right? It's like not too. Yeah. It's not overly happy. It's not sappy. Um, which I which I kind of like. It's not like the yeah. good guys won. You, you also feel like like Jem got the finish that she needed to get. Oh or yeah, that he needed to get. Uh, Je- Krista got the finish that she needed to get. That uh, last like scene, Lively's character. The last oh, that's scene really with Jeremy older. Renner is intense too. Yep. Like where he he just decides he's like he's like you know what I'm just gonna just gonna die. Right? Yeah, he steals a lot of scenes in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Renner, not a bad actor. If you have not seen this movie, I I would watch it. Just. It's it's uh, really solid. It's entertaining. It's one of those movies you can flip on like on TV, and it just it will entertain you from any point to the end. Yeah, if you generally end up liking movies that we genuinely recommend, then this is one that we'll put a stamp on. Didn't Pete Postlewaite get nominated for in this movie as well? Uh, he might have. He got a bat. He got a BAFTA nomination. I know this is his last movie. Yeah, yeah. say he died, and he's awesome. He's like really good in this movie. He's intense. The, he's scary. He's yeah. He does exactly what you what you wanted to do in that role. Yeah. All right. Um, any. Any. Uh, yeah. He has that one monologue about his, about um, Ben Affleck's mom too. That is like so intense. Yeah, and this is where they have the whole thing about like uh, you know everybody like who like a bunch of the stick up men are from that neighborhood, and they there's like this lore that gets built in the movie that's really really enjoyable. Yeah. Even, uh, even if it's, it's just, like even if it's like mostly false. Yeah, it doesn't matter that it's false. It's it's just a little world building that was appreciated. I mean, there is. It is true that Charleston, Charleston, that neighborhood has a, an unusually high amount of robbery, robberies, and bank robbers. But it's um, it's not true that they have like three hundred robberies a year. That's absurd. Um, 
I looked it up. The entire state of Massachusetts, the year this movie came out, had 43 bank robberies. The whole state, not just Boston. Right. So, um, no, no, this was just, this was just a good little, there's like, lots of cool stuff piece. though, like where they like, they do a lot of little things, like throw hair all over and like do like little stuff that's just, I think is, there's some good van driving scenes, as dumb as that sounds. Like it's like plausible heisty chase scene stuff yeah, that's enjoyable. Uh, the, the gun stuff is pretty good too when that comes up. All right. Anything else, Eric? Before we head off to the uh, to the no to man, the you nailed it. You right, nailed it. For Eric, for Kevin, we'll see you next week. Go Hawks. Go, 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 go.